Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. Hey there, it's Erica Aguilar, producer for The Bay. I hope you're having a really very sweet holiday break. And if your time off looks anything like mine, there's probably a lot of sitting around the television that you're doing, a lot of lounging in the living room, maybe hanging with your family, watching movies with brothers and sisters and cousins. So in the spirit of this holiday watching movie season, let me recommend Crazy Rich Asians. It's a great movie to watch with your family, especially if you've got a big one like I do. But really, what I really want to recommend to you is that you have a listen to this episode coming up. We produced it back in August. It's one of my favorites that we produced in 2018. Devin Kadiyama and our editor, Vinnie Tong, get really deep into talking about not just the movie Crazy Rich Asians, but their identities and the Bay Area. It's a super sweet and touching and really real conversation that I hope you will enjoy just as much as I did. Happy holidays. It's opening night of the movie Crazy Rich Asians, and Ricky Yen is at the 1015 showing in downtown San Francisco. I ran to a group of friends. Um, they came here uh, in a group of 10, and I'm seeing other groups of Asians as well. Everybody's coming to watch this movie together like an event. It's not surprising to hear that in San Francisco, where about a third of the population is Asian, the release of Crazy Rich Asians is packing theaters. I know you're not what Nick needs. She's like trying to play a game of chicken with me, thinking I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. The movie starring an all-Asian cast has just been released, and it's stirring a lot of conversations, including one we're having today. What does this movie mean to Asian Americans in the Bay Area? I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I'm half Japanese, but a lot of people aren't able to tell unless they see my last name, Katayama. And so for most of my life, I've thought of myself as white. I'm Vinnie Tong. I was born and raised in Auburn, California. Vinnie is one of our producers for The Bay. She's going to be hanging out with us today because we're trying to get another perspective for what it means to be Asian American. There was a time when... Um, you know, when I was like seven or in the second grade, and I literally wanted to be blonde. Here in the Bay Area, about a quarter of the population is Asian, which is way more than anywhere else in the country. And because that label doesn't say all that much about what kind of Asian someone is, the label can be confusing. This is something that Ricky Yen wrote about in an article on Medium. We called up Ricky and asked if he could come into the studio to talk with us. 
in LA, where I grew up uh, in San Fernando Valley, it's mostly Korean Americans. So I wanted to be just like them. So I would try to, you know, with my broken English, try to make friends with them. And they would quickly make fun of my accent, and they would make fun of me not speaking, and they would call me Fob. And you know, I was Fob what, fresh off the boat. Fresh off the boat. So. You know, even though I came by airplane, but <laughs> eleven at eleven at twelve years old, that's a huge deal to not be able to fit in. So I craved the inclusion in the Asian American club, and then I I did ended up like I you know developed my language skills and I ended up fitting in, ended up turning around and making fun of the fobs that came later. <laughs> And then you came up to the Bay Area for college, for yes. Stanford. Was there anything unique about the Bay Area that spoke to who you were at the time as this Asian-American man who came up here, young man, mm. in college? The one thing that surprised me was when I went to Stanford, there were Asian people from other parts of the country. Some of them were born, grew up in Kentucky. Others went to private schools where they were the only Asian. So Stanford was the place where they found the most Asians in their lives, and they've, they have to contend with the idea of being Asian for the first time. When did things change for you, Vinny? Like, when, was it when you went to college that you were able to connect, or was it difficult to find your place, even on a campus like Berkeley? Um, honestly, it was really hard. In college, my tribe were actually journalists, like fellow journalists. And um, I, I think it doesn't stop either. I think it's been like a lifetime of figuring out where my identity sits and which parts of each culture I choose. And it is kind of an ongoing challenge, I think, to be both, to be neither. It's about like fitting in, like where do you fit in and what does that even mean? Uh, so growing up in Sonoma, I, it's, a, it's a very white, small city, Northern California. And I, you know, I'm half Japanese, but I, I feel like a lot of people couldn't tell that if it weren't for the last name, Katayama. And so I, I kind of thought of myself as, as white, and I tried to be a, as white as possible. I, th I think for this reason, it's almost easier to just be white, right? Like, I think you know exactly what to do when you're, when you're trying to be white. You get to have the, 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 the option of being white. And I, th yeah. I think you, you might have chosen it mm -hmm. um, because it's easier. Yeah. I feel as I get older, people want me to be Japanese, either here in public media, because there's a big push to get more people of color like working in, in public media. Um, or when I was living in Kentucky, I lived in Kentucky for four years. And I remember uh, being a reporter there and getting a call from a university asking me to come talk about what it's like to be a person of color, uh, Asian American working in media in Kentucky. That's when I really started thinking about myself as more Japanese American. And that was just maybe five years ago. Like my, the evolution for my identity has really just begun. Maybe it is you go from trying to fit in when you're younger to when you get older, maybe, you know, fitting into your group is not as big of a deal, but you kind of start thinking about the society, the greater society, the narrative that's told about your people. And then maybe you like sort of want to define it a little bit more because it's ill-defined at the moment. So growing up watching the movies that I watched, I don't remember much Asian representation period. Um, and I'm just trying to like think that the, the main Asian kid who had was attached to me for so long was data from the Goonies. $50 bill. $50 bill. 
Like that's people called me data, but I'm not sure. Do you guys have anybody who you looked at or? There were so few. There were so few. And the ones that were there were awful. You guys probably saw 16 Candles. Oh, no more Yankee, my wanky. The donga need food. (laughs) My younger sister is um, a millennial. I'm not a millennial. Um, But she's the one who got, like, the Yellow Power Ranger or I think it's, like, Claudia Kishi in the Babysitter's Club. The Yellow Power Ranger. Yeah. Hmm. One. They they, they (laughs) got one. The fact that we can name them on, on like, one hand (laughs) is, is exactly the problem. Everyone wants to be reflected back to. Everyone wants to see themselves. And so if you don't see yourself, you will naturally, I think, try to morph to be the thing that you see. Do something crazy! I chose to raise a family. For me, it was a privilege. But for you, you may think it's old-fashioned. Don't you want Nick to be happy? I know you're not what Nick needs. So I'm at a theater where before the movie, people are getting the drinks and the popcorns. Uh, I'm here with three of my friends, and uh, yeah, we're about to go in. Uh, We'll report back afterwards. So Ricky, what did you think of Crazy Rich Asians? So going into the movie, I was actually really scared because if this movie was bad, we would never do this again. What do you mean? We, the Asian people would never be able to be on the big screen like that again if this was bad. So, what about us taking an adventure east? You want to get pork buns in the East Village. That's what it is, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking of further east. Like Queens? (laughs) (laughs) Like Singapore for spring break. Okay, afterwards, Vindicated. Amazing, amazing movie. What did your friends think? I know you went to the movies with your friends. My friends thought it was a good movie. However, one was brown. And brown is Indian. And the other one was Vietnamese American. And uh, the brown people in the movie and the Vietnamese Americans in the movie were the, they were the guards. They were the servants in, in the house. And so at least, especially the brown, the brown friend did not see himself in the movie at all. The, the, South, the South Asian guy didn't have a strong reaction to this. Did you see yourself in the, in the guards? No. I didn't see myself in any part. I just felt like a minority, again. Just like demonized by He couldn't relate and felt like he was a minority again with just a different majority this time. I read the book. I haven't seen the movie, but... You know, it seems like there are people in the book who are detestable and rude and awful and, you know, the, the full gamut. But the point being that Asian Americans are often sort of boxed in a way with certain stereotypes. And I'm really curious to see if this helps sort of break down the box a bit. It's so um, it's so simple, like 10 minutes or 15 minutes into the movie. There was a scene that actually made me really emotional. And it was a very simple scene. The four, you know, rich friends, like two couples, went to the night market and were just eating, having fun, ordering food, eating. And then after the night market, they drive off in that classic movie, like the car with the top down and the people with their arms in the air, like, ooh, friendship. And I was like, whoa, like I've never seen 
Asian, four Asians in the car doing that classic drive into the sunset with friends. This is the first time I saw that. Hmm. That was amazing. And that was 10 minutes into the movie. That's Ricky Yen and producer for The Bay, Vinnie Tong. If you want to check out Ricky's article on Medium, you can find a link in our episode notes. This show was produced by Vinny and Peter Arcuni. Our theme music for The Bay is by Dowd Anthony. Senior editors are Ethan Lindsay and Holly Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area, its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures, then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.